I just want to say I'm so glad to gather with you guys this morning. The last couple weeks have been crazy for me and my family. Uh, just uh, between the snow, which none of us were here, and I, and I know that was crazy for everyone. But just some bodily ailments um, besides my back. I had some knee stuff that, that recently came up. It's, I got an MRI tomorrow. And we had some family emergency situation also come up. It was pretty devastating last week. And, um, and I just want to say many of you just come around us. You, you know all this and you've been serving us and blessing us. Man, we just feel so loved. Um, and I just feel so thankful just to be here with you guys this morning. And I want to say this too. Um, I, man, there's so many miracles within all the... The, the tough stuff going on. Um, I just had the other day just thinking about certain ways God's intervening and God's doing stuff. I, I, don't, I wish I had two hours just to tell you all this stuff. We can go out, go, go out for coffee and I'd gladly tell you all this stuff, but God's just doing some really cool stuff. And uh, we're just, we, we feel very, and I think the coolest miracle is just being loved, man. The Bible talks about that. It's one of the most radical things is love. And uh, we're seeing a lot of that and feeling a lot of that. So thankful for the Father and that. So just glad to be with you guys this morning. Wanted to say that, um, and uh, I missed our gathering last Sunday. Don gave a, a, his message on forgive us of our debts, our sins, our, our wrongdoings with God, and uh, got to listen to that message. If you're here and you did not listen to that message, I want to encourage you, please listen to that message. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. Um, I really got hit with the phrase, our debt issue, our sin issue with God is a love issue. Man, it's a love issue. And uh, I walked away from that message desiring to be quicker to ask the father, where am I hurting his heart? What am I doing that might be hurting dad's heart? And uh, it, was, it was rich. It was rich. It was a great time of repentance and rejoicing in the father's grace and love in light of my sin and brokenness. And so, yeah, if you haven't heard it, please listen to it. But that desire... That question that God put on my heart listening to his message, prepare me for this week's message. My message this morning is kind of the other part of what Don talked about. He said, forgive us of our debts. He talked about that in verse 12. And my message is going to, I'm going to be talking about the other part of that. We don't only pray to forgive, uh, pray to God to forgive us of our debts, but we also are to have forgiven our debtors. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And forgive those who have wronged us, forgive those who have sinned against us. And my prep for this week has led me to more specifically ask the Father how I might be hurting his heart by seeking to ask him where there is even a hint or a thought of anger or resentment or ill will towards anyone else. Dad, show me where there might be some unforgiveness, even a hint of it. I might be unaware of. And as I asked that throughout the week, oh man, um, I was very sobered, very humbled, um, encouraged. And um, I just want to say this is massive. And one of the things that really stood out to me is how sensitive God is. How sensitive he is towards his children, how much he pays attention how much he, he cares about some of the stuff that we can easily overlook and minimize. My kids, uh, my kids are amazing. They, uh, I, I love it when my kids, when they at times can be super sweet and loving to each other. 
I love watching Georgia and Lucy who are sitting right there holding hands and walking to school together. It's just the be- most beautiful thing. I, I drop them off and I'll turn around and I just watch them a lot of times going to class and just my heart's just like, oh, wow, look at this, so beautiful. But at the same time, we all know this, who parents of many kids, that our kids can be really great to each other and they can also be their worst enemies. They can turn on each other. And sometimes we can laugh at it, you know, it's kind of cute. And other times it can like kind of break your heart because some of the stuff that can come out of them towards their like sibling is, it's actually really painful. You're just like, oh no, you don't say that. Oh no, that's not. And I don't know, my, my, my heart at times can get broken when I see that happen, which we all do and which we all struggle with. And uh, I don't know, the father just did something new this week when some of that happened. Uh, just the sensitivity about, that's just an inkling of dad's heart towards us, his family. How just even thoughts that we might have that are just negative towards someone else in his family, it just breaks his heart. It's, it's just a big deal to him. And uh, I just got really sobered personally. This is me. I just got sober like, wow, man, I don't prioritize that. I don't make that as important as I think maybe God does. And I, I, so that was my week, very sobered, very just humbled, like, wow, God, you really care. When you say we're family and we're your children, it, it's, it's, there's a depth to that, that, wow, I don't think a lot of us really get. And uh, I think sometimes we can be in bondage and, and, and miss out on connecting with dad's heart because we're stuck with unforgiveness towards another person. And sometimes we don't even realize we're stuck in unforgiveness. And I, I don't know, I, I, I wonder if there's people here, you, some of you here this morning, we're, we're in bondage. And we don't even know. And dad just wants to set us free. I believe that he wants to set people free this morning to enjoy more of his love because he wants to teach you and lead you to forgiveness towards another brother or sister. And so that's my prayer. That's my hope. My prayer for us in this beloved series now is that we would become a people who practice asking the Father where in our hearts we might be off with his people. That that would be something that is the culture of our church where we ask. That's a, that's a normative in our prayers. So I'm going to pray for us because it's the spirit of God that is going to reveal this stuff in your hearts. Because a lot of us can sit here and listen to a message and we all got it. We either think about somebody else, not ourselves, or we're just thinking about something else and we're not even, we're checking out. And I, I just hope you believe God has you here because he wants to do something in your heart um, more so than you even know. So if you, I ask, would you willingly just humble yourself with me and see what God might want to teach you and show you? Not because there's anything great or special about me. I'm broken like you, but there's something special and great about Jesus, and he uses us in his word to reveal that. So, so I'm going to pray, and you join me quietly in your prayers. I, I would love to see what Jesus wants to do with us this morning. Jesus, we, um, you're the senior pastor. You're the preacher um, that opens the heart of man and um, reveals our sin and our brokenness and our need for you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So help me get out of the way. God, reveal, reveal the depth of our depravity. Show us how much we're in debt to you apart from Jesus. Oh, Jesus, fill us with your love and grace and forgiveness. Help us desire it. Help us have great gratitude because we've been forgiven much. 
Jesus, fill us up, lead us, I pray, against the schemes of the enemy that just wants to flatten your good news, and we just rebuke that in Jesus' name. Jesus, your authority is here. May your spirit fill the space. Jesus, would your presence touch souls? Would you relieve people this morning? Would you release people that are in bondage, that are held tightly to this, this thing called anger? Unforgiveness? Would you do a work? Even now, baby, I haven't even gotten into this stuff. Would you, even, if you're doing something now in people's hearts, would, would you let them just give themselves over to you? Would you let people relax and, and, and just open their arms up to what you want to do, Jesus? Do that with us right now. Do that with me. In your name, we pray. Amen. So uh, we're going to read out loud Matthew 6, Lord's Prayer, and we'll continue on. So let's read this out loud together. Our Father, join me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So like I said, we're going to talk about the second part of verse 12, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And what I want to point us out, point out here is the word forgiven. That word forgiven is key. It's not forgive our debtors, it's as we also have forgiven our debtors. The word forgiven is as a completed act. It's like before we even begin prayer. It's like an assumption. Jesus is teaching us here that as we are in the very act of prayer, we are to be thinking about where we are at in regards to our forgiveness towards others. And I think it's very sobering when you think about right on the heels of that gracious truth that Don preached on, that we ask the Father to forgive us of our sins and wrongs, which is so gracious that we were able to have that interaction with God, that right on the heels of that, there is this other part of the truth, the assumption that you have forgiven others of their sins and wrongdoings done to you. In fact, the two verses that follow the Lord's Prayer, Jesus goes on to really reinforce this point, the magnitude of this. It's right after this Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 14 starts saying, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus is teaching us here prayer. And prayer isn't just taking seriously how we think about where our heart is at towards God, but also where our heart is at towards one another. That's a pretty big deal. Another place, if you don't believe me, that Jesus ties forgiveness of others to faith and prayer is Mark 11. Jesus did this really crazy thing with the fig tree. And his disciples were completely astonished and amazed. And I think it was Peter, someone asked him about it. And Jesus says this great prayer promise. He says this great prayer promise. Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And then he says this amazing thing. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, whatever you ask in prayer, wow, believe that you have received it and it'll be yours. It's like, what? That's, that's just, that's, come, 
really? That, that's a big deal. Wow, what a, what a great promise right there. But then what's crazy is the next verse. In verse 25, he says this, and whenever you stand forgiving, or excuse me, praying, whenever you stand praying, forgive, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. And I just think it's interesting how verse 25, these words of forgiveness follow immediately on this great prayer promise. I think it's crazy. This promise of whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. How often are we gutting something up in prayer and saying, man, I just want to believe that. I just want to ask it and see God move. It's such a, this is a common text we go to, but I've never seen the connection to this thing on forgiveness. I think there's something here. Our prayers, I believe this is what he's saying, our prayers will not amount to much. Not only if we lack faith in God, which I think is an, most of us, we assume that. If we think very little of God and have a low view of God, yeah, our prayers aren't going to amount to much. But it's also our prayers will lack faith and power if also our hearts lack love and forgiveness to people. I, I don't know. I've never seen that direct of a connection. In fact, the Bible says love to God and love to our neighbor are inseparable. That's what Jesus says. Faith in God and love to others, they go hand in hand. Jesus also makes this connection with worship. Matthew 5, 23, it says this. So if you are, Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. This is worship, loving your brother, being reconciled. Here's one from Peter's letters where he connects how well a husband loves his wife with effectual prayer. First Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And it goes on to say, showing honor to the woman so that your prayers may not be hindered. Have you ever heard of this passage before? If you're a husband here, man, I hope you've heard of this passage. This is a big one. It's always, I've always been blown away at the connection of prayer and love. Like that's like, I didn't, it's, it's huge to me. I, early on in my marriage, Spirit brought this text up and, and um, just taught me to regularly be asking the Father, how am I doing with my wife? How am I doing at making her feel seen, making her feel known, making her feel empowered, making her feel built up? And it was, around, especially around times when spirituality in my life was kind of dying and I wasn't doing well or not hearing God. And he would regularly be teaching me, ask me about how things are going relationally with you and your wife. And I, I just want to say, husbands, it's insane how easy it is for us to hold a grudge with our spouse. We know the wrongs. We, we know the record of sin, the pain that's been caused to us. And we want sometimes our spouse to pay and to hold them at an arm's length because we want to make sure that justice is served. And I think there's something here with this passage. You're like, 
how we can be so enslaved to unforgiveness, even in our own home, and miss out on this deep connection that God wants to give us through his grace. Don taught last week on grieving the Holy Spirit of God when he talked about repentance to God. Now the Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity, and we can actually grieve him. And I thought what's interesting is the context that surrounds grieving the Spirit. Ephesians 4, right here it says, starting with verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then it talks about all this relational stuff. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And then here it is, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Wow. We grieve, quench the spirit when we hold on to anger or resentment and lack love and forgiveness in, in our daily life. And guys, this is community stuff. This, this is the stuff, it begins with a little bit of irritation, a little bit of frustration. It begins with a little bit of annoyance, a little bit of like, ah, oh, there's that person. It's that stuff. It's the stuff that we all wrestle. It's the reason why we want to stay away from community. We want to stay away from authentic, real, deep, life-on-life community. Because we got stuff that annoys people. We all annoy people at different times in different ways. We frustrate people. This is the stuff we're talking about here. It's not the big, oh, he punched him in the face. Wow, he really doesn't like him. God says, even if you have anger in your heart, that's like murder. Like, we want God's sensitivity and his economy, not the way the world might tell us what forgiveness looks like, okay? God cares about these, these deep, deep, deep things. It grieves God. And I think a big reason it grieves God because our love and forgiveness towards one another is how Jesus and the Father want to be glorified and seen in the world through his people. The Father, it's through our unity that the world will know the Father sent the Son, John 17. True godly love and forgiveness is a standout miracle to the world. When I didn't know Jesus and I heard about people forgiving, including my mom who was a believer, that's the thing that stood out to me was her love and forgiveness. When I've witnessed to neighbors, one of the biggest things that ever stood out to them, people that didn't know Jesus, is my forgiveness towards my dad or my, you know, friend. Somehow we grew in relationship. They knew about that. They're like, wow, how could you? Okay. Like they didn't really, some of them didn't really pay much attention to a lot of the words I had to say about Jesus. But man, when they saw what Jesus was doing in my heart, through my heart to others, when it came to forgiveness, it stunned them. It shocked them. Forgiveness is a miracle from God. And the spirit is in us to do that work for his glory. If we quench the spirit because we hold on to anger and frustration towards one another, I want to ask you this question. If we quench the spirit because of unforgiveness, do you think there will be much power in your prayers? Okay, thank you, Mark. (laughs) Do you guys all agree with him? (laughs) It's the spirit of God who empowers prayer. And I, I know I'm trying to, I'm, like, some of you guys might be, oh, gosh, he's really belaboring. I, I just, I don't know. I'm at a place where I was shocked sitting with all this text, like the connection here. Guys, this is, I think this is, this is insane. <laughs> and I think this is huge for our church. I think we need to hear it. I think you need to hear it this morning. And I say that humbly. I, I need to hear it. I believe Jesus here in this modeled prayer that we're talking about is teaching his disciples us 
that not loving and forgiving others is an easy and great sin to fall into as followers. We should assume we're falling into it. And it's what makes for ineffectual, powerless prayers. You're preaching my message, man. I'm about to go to. That's awesome that you're with me, man. I, I, that's awesome, Matt. We got to get you up here preaching, by the way. Once you're done with your, your studies, man, that was, yeah, amen. We're going there. Amen. And that's encouraging to hear that if we don't talk about that stuff in our commissional communities, man, it's a big deal. That's huge. Jesus is showing us where the power, I think in this prayer, the power of his faith and prayer and his access to the Father. He's trying to give us a window. Hey, you guys want to know where my power comes from? This prayer, this access I have to the Father, it's rooted in my love for him and my great love for others. It's in love. And he's saying, come, come. I invite you into that, that belovedness, right? This identity called beloved. In the beloved is where the power of God is. And I wonder if our hearts took seriously love and compassion for other people because of God's love for us and his love for the world, how much more faith would grow in our hearts, how much bolder we would be in our prayers, how much we would see, I don't know, the signs and wonders that we see in scriptures that God wants to do in our midst by just being obedient to loving because he first loved us. I just wonder there's so much there that we can miss. Oh, we can make it complicated. This whole missional thing and making disciples, man, it just, it's love. So this big point I want to make here is forgiveness is the abiding heart's posture. Forgiveness is supposed to be our heart's posture as we are abiding in Christ. Like we said, the verse says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's a completed act. It's assumed, and here's why. Because in Jesus, we have been given a new heart through what Christ has done. He's in us. And that's why the scriptures command us to forgive. Besides all the ones I've already shared, Colossians 3.13, it says, bearing with one another. This is, a, this is a community, a missional community. If one has a complaint against another, which always happens in missional community, it will never not happen because we're sinful people and we're broken and we're going to have complaints. We're going to have hurts. Forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We are commanded to love and forgive, not kind of like the way Jesus did, the best we can like Jesus did, but as, the, as Jesus has forgiven us. It's the command. And the reason why there's that command, because there's a supernatural thing. We're new, our whole, we've been given a whole brand new nature that wants to love God and love others because he first loved us. But here's the question, how does he forgive us? What Matt was saying, how does he forgive us? That's so important because it's very different than the world understands forgiveness. It's different than the world's wisdom. He gives himself over to die for his enemies. That is very counterintuitive to the world. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense to do that. And Jesus, what he does too in dying for his enemies, he doesn't just die to forgive. He comes to live for our righteousness. That's insane. At the cross, all of our sin has been placed on Jesus. That's your past sin. That's your present sin. That's what your, your future sin. It's all been placed on Jesus and all his righteousness was given over to make us righteous before God so that we could be enabled to live righteously with God's presence in us. So to be really clear, it's not as though we went from this negative balance of sinfulness 
to this zero balance. It's way, 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 way more than that. Jesus, who had this 100% balance of righteousness, he takes on our 100% sinfulness. And then you know what that does? That takes us from our 100% sinfulness. We're righteous with God. We have the righteousness of Christ. And you know what else? We're the beloved children of God. Wow. That's grace upon grace. And he's always postured towards forgiving us, dialoguing. His kindness leads us to repentance. So when you look at that, how could we hold on to somebody else's debt against us? There's no way. It's crazy how when we hold on to unforgiveness or any hint of anger, how that quenches that amazing gospel truth, rejoicing in that amazing gospel truth. Isn't that sad? I don't know about you, but I want to rejoice in that gospel. That I'm the righteousness of Christ in Jesus Christ. I'm the righteousness of God. What? I'm righteous? Guys, that's amazing. And it's not by your works. It's his. We were made to celebrate and rejoice in that as God's people. Like that's insane that God would do that. And it's insane how one little hint of anger or bitterness could, it just quenches the receiving of that. And for some of us, we may never even know God's forgiveness. When I first came to Jesus, I was automatically filled with great love for everyone, like that. I went from a man that was very, very depressed, very alone, angry, and loneliness was internal, very angry, very bitter, and like that. I, had my, I was reading my Bible, read about Jesus rising from the dead. He was my Lord and Savior. I really felt the presence of God over me. He says, Randy, and many of you heard this, but I, I'm going to say it again because it's ridiculous. I shouldn't be here. He said, you're forgiven, all your sins. You're forgiven. You're a child of mine, beloved. I'm going to use you to serve with me the rest of your life. But up until that point, all I did was sin and reject God. I didn't care anything about God, but he broke into my heart and just gave me this wonderful news and gave me a whole new nature where I saw his love. And my next reaction was calling my dad, calling my mom, calling people saying, I am so sorry. I've been a jerk. You please forgive me. I love you. I love you. That's all I could tell people. So I love you. Please forgive me. That wasn't me. That was him. When God rescues your heart, he dwells in your heart and he gives you a new heart and he makes you, he remakes you to live for the sake of forgiving and loving and not holding a record of debt over anybody because he didn't do that to us, even though our debt was so much bigger. And I grieved a little bit though, thinking about my story from the past, because I feel like sometimes as I've been a Christian a little bit longer, I think I've gotten a little smarter but I feel like I actually, I'm, I've complicated the gospel a little bit in my life because in my smartness, I, there, there's some coldness. There, I, I found out there, there is some little bit of anger. There's a little bit of frustration. There's a little bit of self-pity. But don't they know how much I'm doing? But don't they know this? But how could they do that? They should know this. They, that, like, and it grieved me. And I had this amazing time of repentance and rejoicing in that love again. 
That first love of like, oh yeah, it's that simple. I get to forgive because I've been forgiven much. Thank you, God. And I'll tell you what, family, like Jesus has me here just sharing this with you because he wants to liberate your heart in that. When was the last time you rejoiced in how much you've been forgiven by God? When, guys, that's, just, that's a daily thing God wants to invite us into. We've been forgiven so much. That's the story of the sinful woman. The sinful woman who anoints Jesus' feet at the dinner party, right? She makes everybody awkward. She just walks in, cuts through the stuff, falls at Jesus' feet, wipes, wipes, wipes his feet with her tears, her hair. She's just all over him. And everybody else is like too good for that. We're too polished. We're too, I don't want to look like an idiot. That's what we do at the church. We all play it cool, be it stiff. You know, we don't want to look dumb. She doesn't care. And Jesus says, why? Because she's been forgiven much. Those who have been forgiven much have great gratitude. Great gratitude. Do you have great gratitude? This is ridiculous. You've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. All your sins have been washed clean. You have been made righteous. God looks at you. He looks at you with all your sin, all your brokenness, all your shortcomings, and he calls you a holy saint in Christ Jesus. That's insane. Do you have gratitude? Hallelujah. Like, that's amazing. I want that heart of that woman. Jesus was astounded. God, give me that heart. God, give us that heart. Show us gratitude. Our hearts are to be regularly filled with the forgiveness and love of God. And guys, it's something we have to be intentional with. It's something that we have to keep remembering and celebrating. That's why we always talk about it on Sunday. That's why we should be talking about it in our MCs. You, we don't get enough of it. The person who is angered and does not forgive... cannot be forgiven because the very act of being unable to forgive, it proves that you don't realize the amount of debt you owe and have been forgiven by God. We either forget or we just don't know God's forgiveness. And I want to remember, I want to keep remembering because I, I want us to be a church and I want to be an individual follower of Jesus that, that, that is foolish to the world's eyes. We're just foolish for Jesus. We're not following the wisdom of the world of, the, of this age who compares, but who just looks to Jesus and does what he does because of the love he's shown us. But we can forget or we might not know. And Jesus made this point one time when he shared a parable, a story about an unforgiving servant. You guys remember that one? Peter put his foot in his mouth. He asked Jesus, you know, how many times do I, can I forgive my brother or sister who's hurt me? And he's like, you know, and he even throws it out seven, probably revealing his heart. Probably someone in his missional community that's frustrating him. So how many, how many times do I got before I can boot him out? And Jesus replied, not even close, man. Not even close. I, just, I wish I could see Jesus' face. Not even close. Probably had a smile towards Peter like, oh, man, there's Peter. Try 70 times seven, Peter. And then he shares this story. He says, the kingdom of God is like a king who squares an account with his servants, and as they do it, uh, one servant's brought before him, and this servant owes a lot. He's run up a debt of $100,000, big debt, and he couldn't pay it, so he said, all right, you and your family, you guys are going to be auctioned off in the slave market. 
And then he just throws himself at the king's feet and says, oh, please, I beg you, give me some time. I will pay you back. Please don't do this. And the king felt pity, touched his heart, and he erased his debt, let him go. And then that servant, that same servant, as soon as he leaves the presence of the king, he comes upon another fellow servant who owed him 10 bucks, $10. And he seized him by the throat and he demanded, pay me now. And he did the same thing like that other guy did. He got on his foot, got down on the floor and said, please, please, please give me time. Please have mercy on me, please. But he had him arrested. He threw him in jail. And he says, you're going to be in jail until you pay me back. And then now some other servants saw what happened, and they got really angry. They they were outraged, and they went to tell the king what they saw. And then the king summoned that guy back to his place. And he says, you evil servant. I forgave your entire debt when you begged me. I forgave you. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? King was furious. He threw him into prison, and he said, until he paid him back, he's going to stay. Until he pays back his entire debt, he stayed in prison. And Jesus was saying, so also my heavenly Father will do unto those who do not forgive their brother in their heart. So when we, when we look to be punitive, settle a score, try to exact something from the person because they, they hurt us or we hold a record of wrongdoing in their face or when we make sure that the person really needs to pay because if we let them off the hook, then they're just going to go on being bad. When we get caught up in all that stuff, all that worldly wisdom, trying to control the other people's behavior, to do this even at a heart level, even if it's not even communicated to them, but at a heart level in your thoughts and feelings towards someone is a big deal to God in our relationship with him. Because here's the deal. When we forget the $100,000 debt that we owed, as we exact the $10 in an act of exacting, we're actually bringing back on ourselves the judgment of God. We're sitting under the weight. We're living. If you're a believer, you're living as if you're unforgiven. If you're not a believer, you're, you're still where you are. You're, you're living under the wrath of God. And I, if, you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, I, I don't know about you. I don't want to be under that. But can you see how that might connect to like ineffectual prayer? The basis of talking to a holy, mighty God about things in our life and what he wants us to do is based on forgiveness and grace. The story of the Bible is all about how we got it all wrong and God is up there and his holiness is rescuing us to bring us to a place of being in communion with him so we can be interacting with him because he's holy. And if we don't feel within our conscience that there is love and grace and forgiveness from God, it's very hard to pray powerful prayers. It's very hard to be in tune and walk with the Spirit. Does that make sense? Are are we sobered here? Good. Guys, 
I hope I'm not looking like the guy up here and you guys down there. I'm, I, man, this is like, wow. I feel like God's doing something with our church in this. I really do. I feel like this is a pretty big deal. Like God cares. He wants to free us up to really understand how ridiculously loving and gracious and patient and forgiving he is. And how without him, we are so mean. We are so impatient. We want to exact things. We want to punish each other. How dare you is what we want to say to each other. And then we meet this God who has every right to do it. We don't have the right to, but he does. And he chooses to die in our place. What? So that we could be in full in, in relationship with him, have communion with him. Wow. The more we get that, guys, our prayers are going to be, whoo. We're going to believe we're really talking to the living, holy, powerful God who is a great lover, very patient. He's gracious. But if we're not walking in forgiveness with others, we don't understand forgiveness with him. Amen. Thank you for that. And the big difference between those two parables, by the way, what stuck out to me is they're both freed from debt. But one of them chooses to receive it with humility and gratitude, and the other one forgot about it right when they left the presence of the king. It's, just, it's like a heart thing. It's freely given. If you don't know Jesus here and you're feeling weight and condemnation, I just want to say, if you're, you're here, God brought you here to hear this, this grace. You're forgiven not by you being a good person, by him. It's, it's Jesus dying on the cross for you. If you want him, he's saying, here, here he is. Take him. You're forgiven. You're free from judgment. You're in Christ. So I want to get a little bit practical here. When we cannot forget the debt we owe God and what he has done in Jesus Christ. Okay, I didn't mean, I already said all that stuff. I'm off my notes, so now I'm trying to get back on. But as we close, as we get close to the latter part of this message, I want to say this one thing. When we've been wronged, we first seek God. I actually want you, we're going to say all that together. I'm going to say it one more time, then you're going to say it with me. When we've been wronged, we first seek God. Okay, now you're going to say it with me. When we've been wronged, we first seek God. Okay, that, that is trying to land that point. Forgiveness is the abiding heart's posture. We need God's help to posture our heart when we've been wronged by somebody. And we got to seek him first. By the Spirit, Jesus' forgiving posture is to take root in our hearts. And guys, we have to learn. We're his beloved, and we got to learn how to be his beloved, okay? We need to work through, we need to work through with him the pains and struggles in our hearts. We got to talk to God. How dare these people mess up this bad? How dare that person do this thing to hurt me? They should have known better. I never want to be around them. Or the self-pity that I can get in a lot. How could they do this to me? Don't they know how much I'm working, how hard I'm trying? It's obvious. I can't stand them. We got we to gotta work that. We all do that. If you're saying you don't do it, you, you probably do it more than any of us. But we do it. And guys, here's what I'm finding out. I actually was a little duped this week. I, I wasn't thinking I really do that. And then all of a sudden I started paying attention with God about what's going on in my, like the quietness in my subconscious or whatever internally. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got some of that going on. Whoa. 
that is crazy. God, forgive me. It shouldn't be. God's like, I don't know why you're shocked. You're, <laughs> you're human. You need me. That's pride. Repent of that. Okay. Um, no, he's so gracious. Um, but yeah, we got to talk about that with God. We gotta, God can handle it. And in fact, he wants to. If we don't, we're living, in, we're living in lie. We're pretending like we don't sin. First John talks a lot about that. If we pretend like we're sinners, it's, it's not good. Own your sin, you get to enjoy grace and forgiveness. It's beautiful. I had a recent reconciliation meeting with a dear, dear friend. Um, I called the meeting because I was really hurt. It was painful. I was carrying stuff for about a few months. It was just, it was devastating to me. Um, I was dreading the meeting. I had no idea. I thought this meeting might even be the beginning of us not being dear friends anymore. Super painful. Some of you, I bet many of you here can maybe resonate with those kind of feelings. And uh, I had to multiple times spend time with the Father and pray through in preparation for that meeting. And I was blown away by how hard it was for me to get to a place of forgiveness. Because what God wants to do when we're trying to be reconciled or, or, or get, you know, reconciled with someone, he wants our hearts to be in a place of forgiveness. And I had a moment where I just asked the father, how do you think about this person? What do you think, father, about this person? And I spent five minutes bawling my eyes out just hearing dad lavish love on this other person. I, I just, I was bawling because he just didn't stop lavishing his love. He talked so well of him. just broke my heart. It, it softened me. Oh, man. I talked to him about my hurts and my pains, and he helped me even narrow what the big concerns were. It's crazy when we get hurt, how foggy we can be about what we're even really hurt about. And so just dialoguing, I, I, there's a handful of times I just had a dialogue with dad to prepare my heart so that I could go into a meeting, which I did by God's grace, to say things in the front end. I'm not here to exact one thing from you, brother. I love you and I'm for you. My heart is filled with love because I was already forgiven. And, and I did not know where the meeting was gonna go. I assumed I wouldn't be seen. I wouldn't be heard by him and it might not go well. But man, my heart is gonna be freed up to love and forgive as I have been forgiven by God. And it was amazing. It was amazing. God, God ended up blessing it. He ended up blessing it. And it was rich. But I think the thing that I want to say that, that humbled me is how long it took to get there. And, I, and working through this text, I just have more of a hunger. I want to get there quicker. I, I'd say, God, oh, would you show me? Show me now. I want to know where, because I feel like what, what was happening is I was harboring stuff probably for a couple of years and I didn't know with this guy. And it just came up for the last three months because it was well overdue. Man, we need to keep short accounts before the volcano erupts. Because by the, by, the, by the time, after two years or a year, the other person just becomes a monster in your mind and you're 100% convinced they are. And the enemy is praising and happy. And Jesus and the Father are grieving. It's a big deal. We gotta process with that. When we're hurt by someone, we need to go to seek God. And sometimes we don't have to go to the person. That's why we seek God first. But sometimes we do. My talk here is not to get into all like the specifics of forgiveness, 
Um, but it's to talk about the importance of it with prayer. And so I want to give you guys a, a, a few questions for you to maybe ask dad this week. So if you would write this down, I would appreciate it. Um, but I'll also email it out. Actually, I'm not going to because I want you to write it down. I probably will, but I don't want you to. <laughs> um, and we're wrapping up. We're wrapping up. Father, who am I not forgiving? Who am I not forgiving? And then I have a, a, a few questions I want you to ask if he makes it clear there's someone you're struggling with. Father, how do you feel about this person? Father, how do you feel about this person? Another good one. Father, why am I so hurt? Please show me specific ways I'm hurt by this person. Sometimes we think we know, guys, until you spend time asking that question and sitting with that. Why am I so hurt? Please show me specific ways I'm hurt. Another one. Father, is there anything I need to own? Do I have blind spots in how I'm viewing this person that you can show me? Show me my blind spots. There's a shorter way to say that. Father, is there anything I need to own? Do I have any blind spots? And then another thing I think is always important to do, confess your pain to him. Let him love on you. A person who understands grace is a person who lets it out in the presence of God because you know that it's gonna lead to righteousness and praising him. He, Jesus is the sympathetic high priest. He enters into our pain with great compassion. He enters in to our suffering and hurts. And then I also wanna say, don't hesitate to reach out to a, a spiritually mature person, a trustworthy spiritually mature person. Do not process this with a untrustworthy, spirit, non-mature spiritual person. And if you're here and you know you might not be that mature and someone comes to you with that, tell them to go to the mature spiritual person. That's actually a mature move, okay? Go to a leader. This is like big stuff. Go to a leader. This is a big deal. The enemy, man, he's confusing and messing people all up with this stuff. He will cause division. Divisions are causing the church with this kind of stuff, guys. If you want to know what's the big deal of making disciples, we're talking about it right here. Some of you guys might want something more sexy and complicated. Well, the Bible doesn't do that. It does this. It's about forgiveness. It's about working out your pains and hurt of forgiveness and with God and with others. It's big. This is massive. A sign that the gospel is taking root in the people is that forgiveness and love is the hallmark and culture of the church. God put that just sentence on my heart. That's, that's my heart. I want to see the multiplication of just forgiveness and love. And I think that's what will change the city. And not just by with our church, I'm talking about with other churches, you know, together. That changes the city. That will change the city. People don't know that kind of forgiveness. We're so divided in our culture. But what if the culture looked into a, a subculture and said, how the heck are these people who are different getting along so well? And they're actually really in each other's life, not fake stuff, just coming into this program and leaving up. They're actually living life together and they love each other. We got something to tell them about the forgiving one, Jesus. We got a lot to share, but are we living it? And so that's my, that's my prayer for us. As I close here, I'm closing right now. Zach, why don't you guys come on up, man, come on up. Um, I just want to say uh, the last thing too, 
Make sure you're paying attention to your everyday life, not just when you're doing your devotionals. Pay attention to your relationships when you to and from meetings, hanging out with people. How is your heart towards that person? Start paying attention to that. God cares about your life. It's not just, sometimes we look at prayer as just an event. I do my devotionals. God, I hope I'm not forgiving anybody. Make me feel a lot of love for people. And then we go about our day and there's a lot of jacked up things going on in our heart with people. It's the abiding life. Start paying attention to your feelings and emotions and your interactions in everyday life with people at your work, at your neighborhood. What's going on in here? Take breaks when you're in the potty. <laughs> That's a pause, natural pause. Think about Jesus. Where is my heart, Jesus? Am I doing okay? Is there any unforgiveness? Guys, if we regularly did that, that would be insane, man. I think God would do a lot. I think there'd be a... I think there would be amazing work of love that would be worked out through our church. I think it'd be awesome. So do it. If you do it, tell me about it. Love to hear. Do a testimony on stage about it. Now, um, all right, so you guys can stand up. What we're going to do right now, if you're a leader here and you would love to pray for someone that might be here wanting prayer, could you go out to the sides? Because I'm going to invite people to either come take the elements or go get prayer. So if you're a leader here, go ahead and do that. Um, so if you're here and you're like, man, I would love prayer. I love prayer. Either because I don't know if I feel what Randy's talking about, but I would love for someone to pray and hear the spirit with me if there's if something God wants to get my attention of. I just want to humble myself and do that. That's awesome, by the way, that's you. Um, and then you might be here and you're like, man, no, I got some struggle. There is some bondage here. I'm struggling. I want prayer for that. Hey, whatever it is, go get prayer. God uses prayer to release love. So you might want to do that. If you don't do that, you come and grab the elements. We got the bread and wine here. You dip the bread in the cup and you go back to your seats and we'll take it all together. And uh, communion is a celebration of Jesus' death because it's his death that makes us right with God so that we can actually learn to be right with each other. It's him. It's him. It ain't you it's, or me. It's him. He does it. So if you're all about receiving forgiveness from Christ because you know you owe a debt you can't pay, you are invited to the table to come, grab it, and then go back to your seat. So Jesus, lead us now to do these things in your name. Amen.